0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our service this morning. Pray for the children as they go out to Sunday school, they have an excellent time. And the Sunday school teachers enjoy it too. Um, I found not by plan, not by design, I didn't know I was doing a series. but you can sometimes recognise you're doing a series when you 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 look back over your shoulder. So a couple of weeks ago I started using uh, John Ten Ten which hopefully you remember by now. And then last week, um I again referenced John 10.10. 10, and then this week, I'm again referencing John 10.10. 10. So I guess I'm running with the series, even though I didn't intend to be there. And you might say, Dave, why are you telling us again about the same thing? Well, does anybody remember what John 10.10 10 says? This is my first scripture, but can anybody remember what it says? Yep. The thief comes not to expect to steal, to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full or abundantly. And, and that's the scripture. And my title for my sermon today is I love my life. And I don't know whether you can say that about yours. You know, sometimes when we go through tough times, we, we kind of go, oh, do I have to get out this morning? You know, if you ever remember your teenage years or if you are a teenager, for those who see online or for teenagers in the room. You know, sometimes, do I have to get up this morning? Can I just lay in my com- under my comfortable duvet and, until you know the rest of the day goes by? Can I avoid these things? Can I miss these things? Do I have to go to work today? Well, do you know what? John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal. If I was a security advisor, and you invited me around to your house or around to this building and said, Dave, give me some advice about how we can make the building safe so that, so that someone, no one could come in and steal our stuff. Now, most of us would probably nod and listen a little bit. But I'll tell you what, the day we would listen a bit more was after we'd been broken into. I could come and tell you about, you know putting guards on the windows i could tell you about making sure that you locked the door properly that you set the alarm if you have an alarm i could tell you all these things but you know what it's a bit like the safety instructions when you get on the plane you think i've heard this all before i don't need to pay attention until the day that the plane lands on water and you suddenly think where are the emergency exits at that point it's too late there's no point in me coming and telling you about making your building safe after the event. And so when I read John 10, 10, and the thief, the the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, I don't want to tell you after the event things. I don't want to tell you about what happens if suddenly your piece is getting stolen. If your piece has already been stolen this week, by whoever, by whatever means, it's already gone, and now you have to recollect your piece. Now you have to come to a place of peace again if maybe you've come to a place of hopelessness over a circumstantial situation. There's no point in me telling you about stealing hope because it's already gone. And so I am not ashamed. I am not even apologetic for repeating some of the things around John 10.10 because I think sometimes we need to wake up, wake up to the safety mechanisms that God has given us. You know, when we start recognising patterns going on around us, we need to pay attention. If you suddenly recognise that you're not sleeping well, as an example, well, first place I'd start with is check and make sure your mattress is good. But the other place i start is in here. What, what are our brains like when we go to sleep? And, for example, um, oh, you've taken your... How much screen time do we give us just before we go to bed? I've pa- I'm really paying attention to trying to improve my sleep at the moment because sleep is a place where God can restore me, my body can be refreshed, and I can wake up for the next day. And if I allow my sleep to be stolen, then I wake up grumpy the next day. I wake up tired in the morning. And so I start paying attention to, okay, what's stealing my sleep? And this might be relevant for some of you. Some of you might sleep like babies. Fantastic. Enjoy your sleep. Because in that sleep, God can give you dreams. God can give you visions. God can speak to your spirit. He can restore your soul. But for those who are having sleep stolen, let me start with one or two things. How do you go to sleep? How is your head when you you head towards your bedroom? You know, I'd, I'd encourage you, For example, not to write a to-do list once you've got into your bed. Write it downstairs. Leave it downstairs. You know, leave the things of today downstairs, and as you go upstairs to your bedroom, or if you don't have an upstairs, if you live in a bungalow, wherever you head towards your bedroom, just take that as a place to separate your day from your rest. The second thing I say is, what about your heart? Because, you know, bitterness destroys. And so if there is stuff that you are taking to your bedtime, you are, you know, one of the things I know about our brains and our sleep time is that our brains are filing and readjusting the things we learnt through the day. That's what's going on in our subconscious. You ask psychologists and sleep therapists and these things, and they will tell you that your brain is organizing your day and preparing yourself for the next day. That's why sometimes some people have dreams about things, of bits of their day. It's glimpses of stuff being put in mental filing cabinets in our brains. And actually, there are things we should not take to bed because they don't belong in our dreams. And we need to leave them somewhere. Maybe that's on a to-do list. Maybe that's, Lord, I park here right now and we pray before we go to bed. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. That's a scripture. God tells us, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let anger remain in your spirit deal with it you know anger is something that you can feel but actually you can deal with it too you can pray and say lord i'm angry about this but lord would you would you just help me to find peace in the midst of this situation but don't don't allow these things to go with you to bed because i can i can almost guarantee that your dreams will be affected your sleep will be affected if we don't go to bed healthy also there are some other things if you find things that ups, upset your stomach you know, don't eat piles of chilies just before you get to bed. My mum used to say, don't eat cheese. Now, that's a disaster for me because I love cheese. But cheese doesn't affect me, but it affected my mum. You know, if you recognise there are things that cause your brain to go into overdrive, don't, don't, you know, some people don't drink caffeine after lunch just because it keeps them awake at night. If we know these things, let's use wisdom and make sure that we sleep well. Because I want to encourage you to have a healthy life. And so I don't want to see a place where you are having your sleep stolen. I want to start with a scripture in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 18. It says this, here is what I have seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink. It's good to eat and drink. The Bible tells us you're allowed to eat and drink. And fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the works of their labor and the toils under the sun all the days of our life, which God gives us for this is our heritage. You know, actually, we can enjoy life. We, it, we don't have to feel guilty about treating ourselves once in a while. You know, if you've saved up a bit of money and you've worked hard and treating yourself to a holiday, to a, a nice meal out, or whatever your treat is, don't feel guilty about it. You know, sometimes I think we do. We feel guilty about spoiling ourselves. But you know, I think God sometimes wants us to go, enjoy life. I enjoy my life. And this is one of the questions I want to ask you is, how is your life? So John 10.10 10 says this. Oh, I've gone to the wrong scripture. Sorry. Let me go to, to 1 Peter. I'll come back to John 10.10. 10. 1 Peter 3.10. 1 Peter 3.10. He who would love life and see good days, let him refrain from his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Do you know what we say is important? You know, our our words are creative. In the beginning of the Bible, God spoke and it was created. You know, words are creative. I don't know whether you heard this phrase when you were at school or when you were younger, or whether you still quote it now: sticks and stones will hurt my bones, but words will never hurt me. Is that true? You know, I don't know what your brain is like, but things go in my ear, they get stuck in my brain. And when they get stuck in my brain, just a bit like an earworm, they play again and again and again and again. And I really want to touch some, some, some tent, tender points this morning. So one of the things I just feel I want to say is that one of those words that may have been spoken in your life when you were younger was you'll, no, you'll never be any good at this, whatever this was. And it was said again and again and again until you believed it. And we, and the echo of that in our lives is, oh, "I can't do that. I can't. Why well, well, can't you do it? Because oh, I'm no good at that." You know, here's, I'll give you an example. I'm, I'm rubbish at ice skating. Okay. Uh, I was also, I'm also not very, I'm not very competent at roller skating or anything that requires that I balance on my legs. I've got enormous feet. I have probably got the biggest feet in the room. Um, one of my uncles used to say I had too much turned up at all, which means too much, you know, too much. Two big feet. I've got size 12 feet. I don't know if that's big for you, but they are big feet. And so, consequently, when I'm trying to balance them, I find it hard. And my, I remember my mum taking me, I, I rolled, trying to get me to roller skate as a little boy, and I couldn't do it. I kept falling over. I banged my head. I banged, you know, I banged every bit of me. And she said, "Oh, you're no, you know." Then she started saying, "Oh, Dave's no good at roller skating. His balance isn't very good." And I started to learn that mantra: "My balance isn't very good." So now what do I think? I think my balance isn't very good. So I don't go ice skating. I don't go skiing. I don't go surfboarding because of these things. But actually, you know, that could all change. That can all change. We can learn new skills. We can learn new capabilities. It might be harder for me. But, you know, if I allow that mantra to live in my mind, I will never try to ice skate. I will never try to roller skate. And so I just want to encourage you. To, 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 if there are words that are spoken in your life that keep on coming back, echoes in your, from your childhood maybe. Something a teacher said regularly about you. you know, we, we, do not need to, we are defined by our history, but we do not need to be defined by our history. We can leave our history behind because God can separate us from anything that he needs to separate us from. And so the effect that echoes into eternity does the not need to remain. 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. And this is, this is something I want to encourage us with here. Godly contentment is great gain. Do you know what? If we live in a consumerist society, and we do, then the advert says the person next to you has got a better car than you. Why do they want to persuade us that they've got a better car than us? Because they want us to buy a better car. And that's the whole way the marketplace works. If we are always looking to try and get a better car, a better house, a better this, a better that, we will buy things. I've seen adverts recently for a refrigerator that is 85 years old and still working fine. It doesn't look very nice, but it still works fine. But the consumerist mentality would say, oh, you need a new modern fridge. But the lady who owns it said, no, it's worked fine for me so far. Why would I replace it? You know, and I'm a a great believer in, okay, let's not throw stuff away. I mean, it helps the planet, for example. I don't know whether you realize this, but things like toasters and kettles have become throwaway items. They are now produced so cheaply that when you want a new, if it doesn't match your kitchen anymore, you just throw it away and buy another one. I don't remember having colour-coordinated kettles in my kitchen when I was a child. Maybe you do. But, but somehow we've got into our brains now, oh, we've got a new kitchen, we need a new kettle. Or the toaster stops working, so you buy a new toaster. Now the kettle has to match the toaster. Now, the co- toaster stopped working, you do need a new toaster, but now you need to buy a new kettle to match your toaster. And I just think, why? But do you know what? That requires a counter-spirit. Because we come against the spirit of consumerism. Now there's nothing wrong with the marketplace. But if it's always persuading us that what we have is not good enough, even though it works completely functionally, then we're always aspiring to chasing the mirage. We're always aspiring to run after the oasis, that extra thing that's out there. And godly contentment is great gain. Contentment with, I am satisfied with my lot is great gain because it means we have peace and if we have peace then we can't allow our peace to be stolen. So the first thing I want to say is I love my life and that's something I want to encourage each one of you. I hope that you can say that today. I love my life. The first thing is we are alive. The first thing is we are alive. You know we're we're not you know we're all dying that's true we're all heading towards death but we're also heading towards an eternal life in christ so there is a hope beyond the grave and i've had so many conversations in the last month about time frames you remember i talked about horizons two weeks ago i've had conversations with six seven people that i can remember particularly about horizons and i said what time horizon are you working to they said, Oh, until I retire when I'm 70. I said, What happens after you when you're 70? And they go, Well, I don't know. I haven't got that far yet. I said, Well, you're not planning to that horizon. You're still thinking about work then, aren't you? I said, And what about the horizon beyond retirement? And they said, What do you mean, Dave? I said, Well, what happens after retirement? I don't know. What ha- I don't know how long I'm going to be retired for. And, and I had this conversation, and one of the guys said to me, Dave, what are you talking about? I said, Well, how long are you going to live? He said, Well, I'm 53. He said, I'm a guy, so I'll probably live till I'm 83 on average. So I've got 30 more years. I said, but what happens after 83? He said, well, I might get a few more weeks or years or months. I said, what happens after those extra weeks or years or months? He said, well, that's it. It's over, isn't it? I said, is that really what you think? He went, what else is there to think? And I, I realized he didn't even know that there was an eternal life. There was an option there was a place that there is life after death. That, and I, I shared with him, I, I immediately had a picture of a, a lady called Nora who used to be in the church. She's now gone to be with the Lord. And I had the privilege of being at her bedside when she passed. And she was lying in the bed and I was in the room with her daughter and her son. And we were there talking and she, you know, she, she, she loved the Lord so preciously. And I stood at the bottom of her bed and she was kind of, you know, how sometimes people get, they were getting very sleepy and, She opened up her eyes and she looked at me. And she quite clearly looked over my shoulders. She wasn't looking at me. She was looking over here in this direction. And a great big smile came upon her face. She took one deep breath, a great big sigh, and she went. Do you know what? I honestly believe to this day she wasn't looking at me. She was looking at Christ. And I believe he was, you know, an image of him was behind me. And she just looked and she said, "Okay, I'm ready to go now, Lord. And she went. And it was a glorious moment. It was a precious moment. I still remember it today. The hairs on the back of my neck are standing up even now. Because that was a privilege. I saw her cross over into life eternal. I saw her do that. And so I told this story to this guy who didn't even know what I was talking about. He said, you mean there is something after death? And I said, yes, absolutely. Absolutely." He said, how do I get there? And I was straight into sharing about Jesus. Because that's the only way I know how to get to eternal life. I don't know any other way. He is the door. He is the way. He is the word. He is light. You know, and, and that's why Jesus came, to set us free from the fear of death. I don't, you, know, and, you know What is one of the top 10 fears? People are fearful of death. So we have to get to talk about it. I have the privilege as a, as a pastor and as a leader of talking to people about death on a regular basis. I don't know whether you have had this opportunity. I'd encourage you to learn the language of death. Not in a negative way, but to talk about eternal life. I was talking to one lady fairly recently who said, Dave, can I give you the hymns for my funeral? I said, I'm happy to do that. Really happy. She said, will you take my service? I said, I'm happy to do that. What a privilege to do that. And she gave me the list of the hymns. And I said, I had a bit of wisdom. I said, have you talked to your children about this? And she said, I've tried too many times. But they say, mum, don't be so morbid. Don't talk about this now. Do you know why? It's a fantastic place to talk about eternal life. And it's, you know, it's decades away and we've got lots of life to live from now till then. But do you know what? If we get our eyes fixed on eternity rather than the end of our life, the way we live our life changes. The way we live our life changes because our eyes are not fixed on squeezing everything into the bucket list the next 10 years. Our eyes are fixed upon eternity. And seeing people come into the kingdom of heaven. Seeing people choose Christ as their saviour. Seeing people find Christ. Seeing people find the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when I read this, I I love my life. Do you love yours? Now, there are bits about my life I don't like. I don't like, you know, I don't need to go into the the long list. It's not a long list. I don't need to go into the list of things I don't like. I do not need to do that. But I choose to look at, I love my life. Okay, there are some things I don't like, but I love my life. And I hope that everyone who's listening to this today, including those people listening online, can say, I love my life. Because if you can, say it now. now. There's at least some people, I don't know I don't know how confident you felt about that, but we are living, number one. Number two, it's your life, not anybody else's life. Don't try and live your life through somebody else's life. Parents sometimes do it through children. Where parent, I, I, I see children, as when I was a teacher, I see sometimes parents trying to live their life through their child. And they push them towards A-levels and university because they didn't go to university. Or they push themselves to become an ice skater because they weren't a good ice skater. You know, and suddenly they're living their life through their children. Live your life through your life. Don't allow anybody to steal your life from you. Let's go now to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, things have become new. There are things in our life that we're not proud of. Things we've been through, places we've been, things we've been exposed to, and they taint us. They taint the way we think. They taint the way we behave sometimes. Sometimes that lasts for a while. But I love this scripture. If anyone's in Christ, we are a new creation. We do not have to be defined by our history. Our history can define us, but it doesn't have to because we can be a new creation. We can be set free from the things of the past. We can be set free from things that might constrain us, limit us, or control us. And in John 10.10, This is, you know, this is the centerpiece of my scripture for today. The thief comes not, the thief does not come except, let me read my translation because I love this. I I don't know whether you really thought about it. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. He does not come except to, so that means he only comes to kill, to steal and destroy. That's his sole purpose. It's not that he's got any other things. Those are the things he wants to do. He wants to steal the good things in our lives. He wants to kill the dreams and visions and hopes that we have. He wants to destroy that. And you know, one of the earliest places you can start is in concept stage. If you have an idea, if God gives you a dream, immediately comes all the doubts and the questions and go, oh, you can't do that. You can't reach that. You can't achieve that. Well, do you know what? I don't want to give any more ground to the enemy being able to destroy these things in your life. So I just want to encourage you to draw a line in the spiritual sand and say enough is enough. I'm not allowing my future to be stolen. I'm not allowing my hope to be robbed. I'm not allowing the things that I have to be robbed and taken away and destroyed. And that's something I want to I want to put in your hands. So remember where I started with this. I started with this and I talked about if I was a security advisor, I would advise you about how to protect your stuff. I am a security advisor. I am providing you, encouraging you how to protect your stuff because he comes to kill, destroy and steal. So I want to encourage you, how do you deal with this person who's wandering around trying to come to kill, destroy and steal your stuff? Well, firstly, we need to recognize him. So when we see patterns in our lives, when we see stuff getting stolen on a regular basis, and I'm not talking about physical stuff, I mean peace and hope and joy. Have you ever been in a room where there is the, let me call them the joy vacuum, or the joy hoover? Someone walks in the room and it's just like the effect of eating a lemon. You know what I mean? There are some people who whenever they walk into the room, laughter stops. Smiling stops. I encourage you, avoid those people wherever possible. And certainly don't look to spend time with them. Now, if that's your boss, that's a problem. But you know, the answer to this is, okay, if that is your boss or somebody in your family that you have to spend time with, will just come with a contrary spirit. Come with joy in your heart always be joyful. Prepare yourself. Fill your pockets up with joy. Fill your heart up with joy. Fill your spirit up with joy so that when you come to meet with them, that that's in you is so much bigger than that's in them that they go, oh, oh, and they start smiling. You know, on a regular basis now, I travel into London and I have my joy days and I choose to be joyful. I get on the train here at Egham and I choose to be joyful. As I buy my ticket, okay, this is my joy journey. And I get on the train and I I choose to sit next to somebody and I start talking to them. Now, I don't know whether you're a commuter, but you don't do that on the train in Britain. You don't don't talk to your neighbour who you don't know. You sit there and you put your headphones on and you get your book out and you ignore everybody else and you just go into your little zone and that's what you do. Now, here's the thing. I start talking and most people, once you start talking to them, they start talking to you. Because they're oh, somebody's talking to me. And we get, well, typically, because I take the conversation, oh, it's a lovely day today, isn't it? It is, it's a glorious day today. But, you know, all the people on the train are miserable and they've got their headphones on and they're listening to the news. And, and, and I remember this lady sitting next to me last time I went to London and and she had her headphones on. So I, I, I elbowed her accidentally. I elbowed, oh, I said, oh, I'm terribly sorry. And she took her earphones out because I was apologising to her. I said, I'm really sorry. Isn't it glorious day today? Do you know what? She didn't put her headphones in for the rest of the journey. We talked nearly all the way to Clapham Junction where she got off, off the train. But here's the thing. I chose to be a contrary spirit. I choose to say, okay, God fill me with joy that I can be overflowing with joy on the train. Now, I didn't just talk to her because everybody else on the train was also silent. So they could hear. I wasn't shouting. I wasn't being rude. I was just having a conversation. But everybody else was in silence. So everybody else in the carriage could hear our conversation. So suddenly I've become a fountain in the train. And the the things that I spurt forth. Now, if I was whinging and complaining and you've probably sat on a train when you've heard somebody who's on the phone and they're talking about how terrible so-and-so is. And all the carriage can hear. And you think, I don't want to hear about your troubles and your worries. You know, I'm sure there were some people sitting on the train thinking, I don't want to hear you talking about your joyful day and your wonderful moment. and Because I just go wherever the conversation goes. And sometimes it ends up talking about God. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm sowing seeds. Not just with this lady or this gentleman who's sitting next to me, but probably half the carriage. And so I'd encourage you, do it on the bus, do it on the train, do it at work. You never know the overflow of your conversation. I love my life do you point two now is not just I love my life but I love my do you love your life so not just love life love living but do you love your life This gets a bit personal now because you know we can we can say we love life. We love living with people, but there are always buts. This point too, there are always buts. Yes, but do I have to go to work? Yes, but do I have to do the washing up? Yes, but do I have to tidy my room? And I can't deal with those problems today. I really can't go there. But you know what? I love my life. Do you love yours? That's my challenge to you today. John 15, verse 13. Greater love had no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. So if we love our life, why would we give it away? If we love our life, why would we give it away? You know, the world teaches us to be protected, to look after our stuff. And so consequently, we think about looking after our life. And so why would we give away some of our life? But you know what? The reason I encourage you to read this scripture and think about the scripture, if we give life away, more life will come. Because in John 10.10, the second part of that verse says, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have abundant life. Now, abundant life is more than you need. Abundant life is full and overflowing. Abundant life is, well, okay, if you give away a load of life, there'll be more. So I am, ne- be- be- because of, of the scripture in John 10.10, 10, I am never frightened of running out of life. What, what if my heart stops beating? I once had a, a gentleman in our church a number of years ago who'd had a number of heart attacks. And he came to me before they decided whether they were going to stay with us for. I said, Dave, what would happen if I had a heart attack in service on Sunday? I said, well, I'd get people to pray. I'd get people to move, move away from you so that, you know, uh, 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 and we get people ministering to you we'd call 999 and we'd pray four things he said i'm so glad he said the last two churches i've been to they they said they do the first three things they call 999 they try and do cpr they kind of you know protect the children and those kind of things so it wasn't a, a dreadful thing He said but they didn't talk about praying at all you know for me the first emergency service is god as i if i ever have to ring 999 as i'm ringing 999 I'm also praying. I'm engaging with the most important emergency service as the phone connects. I'll tell you what, I'll connect with God far quicker than I'll connect with 999. Doesn't matter how far, you know, God God can sort things out far quicker than the fire service, the police service, or even robots now with the ambulance turning up as... I want to encourage you, if you love your life that much, give some of it away and just watch God fill you up. Do not focus on the life that you have and the limitations that you have. If you just think about a mug and think about it being full, then you walk around like this. If you ever walked with a mug completely full of coffee, you see what people do is that they walk around and they are so afraid of dropping the coffee that they're focused on the coffee. Yeah, so you see people walk like this. Because they're so focused, they don't want to spill the coffee. When you watch a child walking around with a glass of water, (laughs) they're not worried about them. You think, oh, oh, it's going everywhere. Yeah, we need to be more like the child with the way we we, we live our lives. If if we walk around like this, we'll never spill any of our life into anybody else's. We'll never overflow into anybody else's. But you know, if we walk around like this, hey, we empty. Oh, where's it all gone? So we'll need filling again. That's the way God designed us. God designed us to need filling again and again and again. And so I'd encourage you to lay your life. Now, I'm not talking about dying here. I mean, I know that's what this scripture is normally focused upon. But dying to ourselves, giving. You know, We can choose to either give ourselves into the moment. There's a lovely book called Fish that talks about choose to live actively in the present. I think I may have quoted from it before. It's not a Christian book and it's about a market, a fish market in in North America. I can't remember what city it's in. But it talks about choosing to be actively present. When you are with someone, choose to look at them. Choose to focus on them. When you're with your children, choose to look at them. Choose to focus on them. Put aside your worries of the day. Live in the moment for that moment. Because you are communicating. And give life. Give life. So I'm now going to quote a poem. And you might understand now why I, kind of, I started out by talking about funerals. This is a poem that I've read a number of times at funerals. And you might think, Dave, why are you talking about death? I'm talking about death. Because if we don't talk about death, we can't talk about life. So, let me, let me read this for you. The life that I have is all that I have. And the life that I have is yours. The love that I have of the life that I have is yours, and yours, and yours. Asleep I shall have, a rest I shall have, yet death will be but a pause. For the peace of my years in the long green grass will be yours, and yours, and yours. And that just talks about a body being buried in a grave. But actually, the love that I have will be yours. The hope that I have will be yours. And the reason I want to just touch upon death is because it causes us to live life differently. Now, why do we remain on this earth? If we've got, as David put in the book of Psalms, as I would sometimes say in assemblies, in that great book of poetry, that great poet David wrote, three score years and ten and a little bit more, by God's grace. You know, 70 years, well how are we going to use those 70 years? What are we going to use them for? Because we're not here to glory, we're not here just to glorify God. We can glorify God in eternity with the choirs of angels. I'm looking forward to the day when I see, I have had the privilege of singing sometimes in choirs of thousands of people. It's an amazing experience. If you've never done it, find a place to do it. Go to a sing-along, go to a church, go to a big event, but go to a place where hundreds of people, that endless Alleluia um, song was written for a men's event. Um, Matt Redman, I think, if I remember, it, he, he, had, he had a whole stadium full of men singing. It's an amazing experience to sing. Now, that for me is a glimpse of heaven. It's not like heaven, but it's a glimpse of heaven. Just imagine standing around the throne singing with thousands upon thousands of angels. You know, so much so that you can't hear your voice, but you know that you're contributing to the sound. You know, we will have an eternity to do that. So, okay, so why am I here now? What are the things that I can only do whilst I'm here on earth that I can't do in heaven? Well, one of them is share my faith with those that are living. One of them is the call of the gospel. Go ye into all the world. Sow seed. Now, those are the things that we're called to. Oh, yes, we can pray. We can see God's hand at work and all those things. But you know what? It's the lost that God is focused on. The lost is go and reach out to those that are lost. Love your life that much that you're willing to give it away. And so I come to point three now. So love life. Love your life. Love your life in Christ. Because it's in Christ that we find ourselves fearsomely and wonderfully made. Philippians chapter 3 verse 8. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. There is nothing like gaining Christ. Christ is my all in all. And what makes my life so valuable and therefore a life that I love is because Christ first loved me. That's what truly makes my life valuable. Not what I've done, not who I am, not my heritage. I mean, yesterday, millions of people around the world were watching the grandson of the Queen. Is she had a grandson? Great-grandson, sorry. Great-grandson of the Queen, you know, getting married. Millions of people watching them. And I, I love the fact that we have just celebrated marriage. I just love that. I don't know whether you listen to the address from the Episcopal, Episcopal Bishop, but preach it, man. I love that. That was a great word. And that was broadcast to millions of people around the world. Well, if all that wedding achieved was that word going out to those millions of people, then fantastic. But I wish them well. You know, as the a great a, the great grandson of the Queen, I wish him and Meghan well. I hope that they, they, they are a good marriage. They're a good example because marriage is a building block of the kingdom. Mar- from marriage comes family. From family, we build community and, you know, Church, church needs to be family too. And all of those things are principles that God wants to kind of establish us in so that we can build. So not only can I say I love my life, but I love my church. I love my family. I love my uh, 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 churches, my family in Christ. So my challenge to you today is, do you love your family? Do you love your church? Do you love your life? So much so that you're willing to give it away. Let me pray. I don't quite know where I wanted to go with this. I just followed as I f- f- felt the Father leading me. But I just sense that the Father wants to encourage one or two folk today. And as Julia encouraged us that, you know, let's release gifts. Isabel, can I pray for you? I just, I just sent the Father saying something to you that I just want to share with you as an example. And I just want to do this as an example and let you will have to translate. Okay. But Isabel, I just want to say to you that you, know, you returning to the UK was not a mistake. And God has some very special friends to you. And they, they 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 will be uh, buddies, they'll be your, your mates
1: ellos serán tus para ti.
0: and you will click with
1: them con uh, and
0: they, they won't speak brilliant Spanish
1: no uh, brilliant Spanish
0: but it will be like you've
1: known them for the sí.
0: and I just sense that the Father Ay.
1: is opening doors for you yo
0: in relationship and friendship and you will see a whole generation of people
1: your age coming to know Christ. Coming to
0: So do not hold back with your boldness.
1: Así que no te eches para atrás y sé fuerte. But pray with confidence. Because the
0: life that is in you is more
1: Porque la vida que está en ti es más que The love that is
0: in you is more than
1: enough. El amor que hay en ti es mucho más. To to y está
0: sobreabundando en aquellos que están overflowing to
1: those around. Amen.
0: Father, I just want to pray for Isabel. I pray that we bless her. Bendice. Bless her ministry, Lord God, bless her. Bless her
1: prayer time. Lord God.
0: Father, I pray for good health upon this, this warrior of God.
1: In Jesus, and I name. He me to the Lord. Me ha for he has allowed me to estar me be here. Mm-hmm. And, and to to he has already opened the door to be here, here with your church. Y pido cada and día I pray every day Señor to the He that I would have that opportunity to, to, to learn, orar, to pray, y aprender to and learn, and To, to share, share. La gente, uh, to people that you know, people, people that don't even know about him. Yeah, uh-huh. And uh, for those that are in dark, for those I pray. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. for them to have open it doors, your mm-hmm. oration, that my prayer will be mind. heard by the Cuando están en pleno de juan, ellos siento que no están así. Y que sus trabajos la so trabajo will no, es no es fácil nada. Pero con la ayuda de Dios, help, saldrán adelante. Como dicen Hope, y se va Joshua, no, no se sé Yo estoy contigo. I am with you. Y por fe, y esperanza, todo es posible. Y adelante, querida Iglesia.
0: Que no
1: Tienen si y me vivo. y we can y me We y
0: I pray for Isabel I pray for Isabel for one particular reason Um, because do you know what she doesn't give up I want you to imagine going to another country speaking 60, 70, 80 words I don't think that's unfair um, of of the language and think how you would cope Isabel does not give up I mean there is an overflow in who she is do not ask Isabel to pray for hot food. That's laughing, but I'm not saying don't ask Isabel to pray. Don't ask her to pray for hot food, because it will be cold by the time you start eating. Because she wants to bring grace to God. And that, that's fine. There's a time and a place. But I, I, there is an overflow in Isabel. And there's an overflow in each one of us. There is an overflow in each one of us. So the one final thing that I want to do before I finish... I just want to deal with those words that have been spoken over you and I just want us to close our eyes and I just want, if, there, if there is a word that's persistently been spoken over you so much so that you feel it's written in your school report maybe it was written in your school report maybe you've got all your school reports and it just says uh, "You know, needs to co- needs to concentrate harder and you still find it difficult to concentrate today if, you know, maths is not for the day because you know whatever it is that's been spoken over you, that has become your crutch, has become your your limb the thing that you walk with if there's something, I want to deal with these things tonight so if that's you, would you stand if there's something that's been, maybe it was specifically said over you as a child by only one person but even today in your 30s, 40s, 50s even as a teenager, whatever your age is you can still hear those words and maybe you repeat them oh I can't do that I'm no good at it Yeah, that, that, that's an example of us walking with a limp, and I just want to encourage us that you know, it's not that we have to become athletes or brilliant high jumpers or amazing isolators. Do you know if we walk away from things out of fear, then we're walking by fear, and not faith. And there's a great joy in you know, overcoming fear. It's a great joy in stepping over the line. It's a great. Sometimes we shrug off. The cloak and we put on a garment of price. So for those listening online, for those standing in the room, Father I pray right now, Lord I draw a line in the sand and we leave these words behind. We leave these words behind, we step into our new destiny, we step into our purpose, we step into a new sheet of paper so you can write something new about whatever it is Lord that we leave you behind. So Father we step into destiny, we step into purpose, we step into price, We step into joy, we step into hope, we step into life, and we choose to embrace life and hope and purpose. And we choose to keep our eyes open to the tactics of the enemy, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And church, I want to encourage you, if you need to stand right now as you choose to say, I choose to embrace this, would you choose to set your alarm, would you choose to set your your movement alert? So that you know, suddenly you will at least pay attention to, hang on a second, this is the third time somebody's talked to me about death today. I just need to embrace life, not death. I choose need to choose the positivity of heaven rather than negativity of hell. I choose to go for the carrot rather than the stick. I choose to embrace life. And I choose to leave death behind. Because my, my focus is not the end of my life and death. My focus is beyond death to eternal life an eternal life with Christ in heaven, worshipping with the angels, bringing glory to our God. And so Father, we stand in your presence right now, and we embrace life. We embrace hope. We embrace love. And Lord, we want to say, not only do we love life, but we love our life, and we love our life in Christ. Let us embrace it with all its fullness, Let us live it to overflow, fill us up again and again and again. For your glory and glory. In Jesus' name.